0: gaslighting an old woman for what (laughs) for what sebastian
1: (laughs) hello 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 welcome back to No theme March. There's really not anything that connects these movies at all. (laughs) Mariah and Christina March. (laughs) March. There we go. March, Mariah, and Christina's version. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's funny. I don't even know how we picked these movies. It was like a combination of things people wanted and also um, our guests,
1: I guess. Yeah, there's a couple different factors at play here. Partially, we wanted to do some short and sweet films that are somewhere around the 90 minute mark that so was true that was important to us Wait, have we done that before i feel like we've done 90 minute march no we did we did march magic last year i do remember that but i don't think we should do a 90 minute movie month at some point let's
0: do a 60 minute movie
1: month <laughs> <laughs> We're only, right, only right. Um but spoiler alert we do have a decom coming up this month so get excited for that but, yeah, other than that, it's just been movies that were requested or ones that we've wanted to do. This movie we actually tried to do last April, but ended up, like, switching the schedule around to accommodate for some other stuff. So, yeah. full circle, I'm glad we're returning to it.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been anticipating watching this movie for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just so in the zeitgeist. Yeah, so, should we tell the people what we're doing? Oh my God, absolutely. Tell them. Tell them. We're doing the 1999 classic. Cruel intentions. Ooh. We have some <laughs> Ryan Philippi. We have
1: some Reese Witherspoon, Sarah Michelle Geller, Christine Baranski, mm-hmm, little Selma Blair in there, little Sean Patrick Thomas, little Joshua Jackson. Just all the, yeah, all your favorite teens from the 90s, they're in this movie. It's
0: so crazy because, I mean, at this point, Sarah Michelle Geller was like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Huge. So huge, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching her in this. Like, she really plays it cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very cold. Mm-hmm. But I did think it was interesting. Um, like, I definitely think she's talented. This movie is just, like, so not what I expected. Like, the char- I I want to say, like, caricature way that the characters were, like, very archetypal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I thought it would be closer to like a basic instinct kind of movie.
1: I've never seen basic instinct, but I had like a rough idea. I didn't really know plot-wise what this movie was about, but I had a pretty mm-hmm. pretty general idea for what the vibe was going to be. And I have this like very fuzzy memory of me being a child and watching, it, it must have been like the Reese Witherspoon E True Hollywood story or something on TV about oh. like her and Ryan Phillippe. And her talking about shooting like that – because they were together for like a year before they shot this. And that scene where he's like breaking up with her, that like the emotion and like the tears were so real because they were like together and in love. And he's like saying all these horrible things to her. And he was so like affected by it that he actually like threw up. Like he was nauseous for like (laughs) having to like say all this stuff and like break his girlfriend's heart on screen. And that's why like when she punches him – That was not in the script. She went off script and did that. And then they were like, we like that. Keep doing it. So she had to keep like punching him in the face as they shot this scene over and over again. And then it was like super emotionally taxing because they were in love in real life. Yeah. So that's really all I had to go off of for this movie. But I knew it was going to be kind of like melodramatic. And also the fact that it's based on a novel from the 1700s, I feel like can't help but being a little bit, you know. Archetypal characters.
0: Okay. This
1: is... <laughs> is it all coming together now? <laughs>
0: I forgot. I I have read The Dangerous Liaisons. Yes. Like the play. Yeah. Yeah. That's so... I can't believe I forgot that that was the reason they made this movie. That's so crazy. Because I thought it was based on a book. And then I was like, oh, no. I think I'm, like, reading too much into it. But, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. And I think that... um yeah, wow, this is clicking for me because <laughs> the way that the play is written as well is very, it's very, like, uh, sensual and seductive, mm-hmm. but it is, does have that, like, slightly comedic yeah, air to it. Totally. Um, the scene where they mm-hmm. were, yeah, you can't punch people anymore. No. Like, unless it's in the script. Like, you're gonna get in trouble.
1: Yeah, like happy that both of them were okay with it and like it seemed like it was fine but you cannot do that you cannot no. throw in a surprise improv assault on somebody right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like i just felt like it like i felt like that's what the character would do i'm like no so these Sadie. things need to be choreographed right, um, right, right. that's why there are stunt coordinators that come in and do that so you don't actually punch someone in the face you don't go on your job. You go into your office and log into your computer. And your
0: coworkers, like, I just feel like punching them today. Yep, it's the same thing because <laughs> acting is a job. Paid. It's a workplace. Yeah. It's a, It's say it with me. It's a, a workplace. Work Very funny. Hehe. He. Yeah. Um. But the numbers, baby. Yeah, Come Let's start some Ka-ching, numbers in ka- the chat. Bling, bling, bling. The budget was. You know, quite small for yeah a movie like this. It was ten point five million, and they made a pretty sweet return. They made
1: seventy five point nine million in the box office. I'm surprised it was so small budget. Me too, because it doesn't it doesn't feel like oh wow this is a really small budget movie.
0: No, and I mean they shoot in New York. I, I wonder if they got like tax credits or something at this point.
1: Well, the interiors for like the the apartment. All, like, the apartments and stuff are soundstage sets in L.A. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm sure they saved some money there. But they did shoot Mm -hmm. a fair amount of New York exteriors. Like, that's definitely Central Park for sure that they were, like, shooting around. Um, But I guess most of it is interior now that I think about it. It's either interior or it's at, like, that giant country home that, yeah, somebody probably owns and was like, yeah, you can use it for cheap. But whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but yes, as we said, it is an adaptation of a novel from 1782 French novel, Les Liaison Dangereux. It is the fourth film adaptation of the novel, but there's been like tons of other things. There's other wow. plays, there's other short stories, whatnot. And then they also made, there was a musical adaptation of Cruel Intentions, I think in like was it like 2016 or something? It was like off-Broadway. Mm. Because I remember even seeing tickets for it on Today Tix and everything. Oh. But I haven't listened to the music, so I, I can't you know, give any opinion on it. But now I'm intrigued. I might go check out the cast recording.
0: Do it. There is a rumor that the studio wanted to cast Katie Holmes as Annette, but the director, Roger Cumble, didn't think she had enough strength to take on the character. And he really wanted Reese Witherspoon so I guess they took her out to dinner where they all got drunk
1: and he begged her on his knees to take the part. Also, so overwhelming. Yeah, apparently he was like begging her on her knees and was like, it'll only be 15 days. Like, I promise it won't be like, it'll be nothing. Please do this movie because they shot it in six weeks. Wow. So obviously Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar would have had like the biggest time commitment. Right, right. Is they're in the most scenes, but... Yeah, for Reese's stuff, I feel like I could get that done pretty quick. I mean,
0: Reese Witherspoon's an incredible actress, but I wonder if part of the reason was because she already had that chemistry. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That being said, should we drive right into it? Let's Sebastian's little roadster, go.
0: his little <laughs> 1956 Jaguar roadster. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we do, we just ra- want to remind you that we have a Patreon. If you'd like to join it, it's $5 a month, or there's like a discount if you get an annual
1: subscription. Yes, you do get a little mm-hmm. little discount if you sign up for the whole year. So yes, ma'am. you can feel free to do that. This month's bonus episode is Confessions of a Shopaholic. We had so much fun. It was great to record. So if you'd like to listen to that, head on over. Yeah, and you
0: also get all of our past Um, patreon episodes when you join too so we have like pride and prejudice that was a
1: big one Mm -hmm. we have a little easy a yeah miss congeniality oh yeah spy kids it's a great time we did spy
0: kids on the damn we really (laughs) picked some good ones to do on the on the patreon or well we didn't pick them you picked them exactly yeah so you can click our link in bio or link in the Or the notes on this podcast if you're interested in that. But let's take her for a spin. Let's Let's get the... Do, do, do. (laughs) Okay. The movie opens up and we hear Every You, Every Me by Placebo playing as we like rush pan over a graveyard i thought it was like a city or something at first but they are headstones ryan philippi is driving his 1956 jaguar roadster his sunglasses on he just looks absolutely like devilish but very like hot <laughs> yeah and we see in the passenger seat his like leather folio his little like journal And then we pan up to view the buildings of the city of Manhattan, baby.
1: So Sebastian goes to uh, his therapy appointment and his therapist, Dr. Greenbaum, is asking him to, you know, focus up. And he's like, you know, I, I, I just I can't feel sorry for myself because it'd be like saying, oh, like poor little rich boy. And she's like, well, everyone has issues and you can't blame yourself for bad parenting. She then hands him an autographed copy of her book and he, the, the way that he behaves in this was so freaky in this, it was at right. this point in the movie when I texted Mo and I was like, Ryan Phillippe is a fucking freak in this movie. He is, no, for sure. I'm like, yeah. I feel like he's possessed. Yeah. Yeah. It made me uncomfortable. So he's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for this book. Like, can I keep it? And she scribbles in her notes like bill for book. And Sebastian says that he can't believe that there's a time in his life where all he thought about was sex. And the therapist says that that's no way to go through life. And he's like, you, for example, you're very attractive. You have killer legs and I'd love to photograph them, but I'm cured now. Let me remind you, this is like a 17-year-old. Right, right. Yeah. So Sebastian says they'll meet same time next week, but she's like, oh, no, actually, I'm going to be on my book tour. But, you know, if you need anything at all, don't hesitate to call. He then pulls her in for like a hug that lasts way too long. And he is squeezing this woman Mm -hmm. so tight. That's when... Dr. Greenbaum's assistant comes in and says that she has a phone call. It's her daughter. So Sebastian picks up the photo on the desk of her daughter and is like, oh, this your daughter. And Greenbaum is like, oh yes, my daughter. She's a straight A student. She'll be attending Princeton in the fall. And Sebastian says that maybe he needs to date a girl like that. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Greenbaum says that she is out of his league. So she wishes Sebastian luck while she's gone he heads out, and as soon as the door closes, she's like, what a schmuck.
0: Yeah. I I, I just have so many, like, <laughs> <laughs> I have so many
1: thoughts on the way that he
0: portrayed this character. Mm-hmm. But I will digress until we have a little more to talk about. So, yeah. Dr. Greenbaum's assistant is like, hey, your daughter's on the phone, remember? And so she picks up the line. And it's Miss Tara Reed. Oh my God. Playing Marcy Greenbaum. She is sobbing to her mother. And she's like, He told me he loved me and I believed him. And Dr. Greenbaum is like, Calm down, step outside of the circle. And Marcy's like, Cut the shit. Like, there's nude photos of me online. And we see on her thick ass desktop <laughs> that someone has recreated um, the cover of her mom's book. But instead, it's like a naked Marcy and it's like says something like, good parenting, question mark. And her mom yells at her and she's like, how could he be so stupid? And Marcy's like, he kept saying that I had killer legs and how he wanted to photograph them and things just got completely out of hand. And that's when Dr. Greenbaum goes silent. And on the other line, Marcy's like, mom, mom. But Dr. Greenbaum has left her office.
1: Literally psychotic. Psychotic. Literally traumatized. (laughs) Also illegal. Sure. For sure.
0: But that's the crazy thing. They just, I don't think, have laws uh, against the disbursement of, like, naked photos online back then.
1: Well, yeah, they there definitely weren't laws for, like, revenge porn, but... She's a minor. Assuming, yeah, she's a minor. Yeah. But... We see Sebastian toss Dr. Greenbaum's book in the trash, and upstairs she starts, like, banging on the glass down at him, and she's like, you're gonna pay for this! And he has this, like, sick, twisted little smile on his face. Oh, yeah. And this random girl goes up to Sebastian and is like, oh, what's her problem? And he's like, oh. Seems like someone needs a little therapy. And immediately he has set his eyes on, like, yet another conquest. Clearly this is a pattern for this guy. He loves to have sex with and humiliate women. That's kind of his thing. That's his thing. That's just a little bit about me. (laughs) That's, you know, just like a little quirky thing about him. He's Mm -hmm. – a terrible person. So they're, like, flirting away. Dr. Greenbaum is being pulled away by security, and he ends up taking this poor new girl to lunch.
0: Yes. So Sebastian drives home, fully does a U-turn in the middle of the road on the Upper East Side.
1: You can't do that. <laughs> Absolutely
0: not. He almost
1: causes, like, a three-lane crash. So many laws have been broken in such a short amount of time. The
0: movie's been going on for, like, five minutes. hmm so, Sebastian gets out, and the police is like, You can't park here, no parking. But he literally just like waves him off. And I guess when you're that rich, you're just like, Okay, I'll pay the parking ticket, whatever.
1: Right. I mean, it's also like the combination of teenagers who feel like they're invincible combined with like more money than anyone should ever have access to. Right. right, right. And also it being like a wealthy white dude. That just makes a perfect storm. (laughs) There's a
0: lot of things at play. There's a lot of things at play. Yeah. So inside, Catherine, played by the one and only Sarah Michelle Gellar, is talking to (laughs) fucking Christine Baranski, who I did not anticipate seeing in this movie. Yeah. She plays Bunny Caldwell, uh, Cecile's mother, and Cecile's played by Selma Blair. So Bunny tells Catherine that they're very excited Cecile will be attending Oakwood with her, because she has always been an inspiration to her and Bo on raising Cecile, and she says that she hopes Cecile can rise to the occasion. And then Suki, who is like Catherine's cook, but also just like comes around with her sometimes, um, she drops off a platter, and Catherine thanks her in Vietnamese, and she's just like. Uh, Vietnamese, is such a beautiful language. Like, just the air about her is so prim and just yeah. OD. So Bunny tells Cecile that Catherine is the most popular girl in school and just says, listen to her and you'll go far. So Mrs. Caldwell asks Catherine how she does it, and Catherine <laughs> takes out this massive cross necklace on her neck, and she's like, uh. Well, whenever I face the temptation of peer pressure, I turn to God and he helps me through the problem. And Cecile asks how the boys are. And Bunny is like, I'm sorry about her. She's never been to a co-ed school. So Catherine tells her that most of the boys who matriculate at Oakwood are upstanding gentlemen. But Bunny is like, with the exception of your brother, Mm. I can't believe they didn't expel him. That's when Sebastian walks in and just straight up, like, leans over and he yells into Bunny's ear, How are you, Mrs. Caldwell? Oh, he's so obnoxious. (laughs) He is insane. Like, he is unwell. Mm -hmm. So Bunny asks him if he remembers her daughter, Cecile, and he calls Cecile's shirt adorable.
1: Yeah, she's wearing, like, a little panda shirt or something. Or it's, like, a koala shirt.
0: Koala, I think. Because yeah. she's, like, it's from the zoo in Australia. Cecile's character in general has this really, like, naive, childish like error. Yeah, infantile. Infantile is the word. Yeah. Because she literally is, like, fidgeting and just, like, has, like, a pouty face. Like, it's it's very, like, sexy baby Yeah, in a really, like, Absolutely. gross way. Then... Um, Sebastian is like, how are things down under? Blossoming, I hope. And that's when Bunny's like, okay, we're gonna fucking leave. And <laughs> Bunny, like, ushers Cecile out and she tells her, keep your legs closed. This isn't Jamaica.
1: It is really wild to see because this is our first time seeing Catherine and Sebastian in the same space Mm -hmm. and like what we kind of learn about this movie is that these two care about their reputations more than anything yeah but their definitions of that are so so very different we're like Catherine's reputation is based on how is she how she's like perceived by other people in the society so she's like I'm a straight-a student and I'm like super religious and I like know all these languages and I'm very well educated and prim and proper Sebastian however can like kind of go around do whatever he wants and his reputation is based on like the women that he can seduce or sleep with or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's The type of reputation that is valued for him as a man. And he can like go around being as obnoxious as he is in this scene and being like brazen and literally leaning down to look at like a girl's underwear in front of her mom and get away with it with no real consequences. Right, right.
0: You kind of don't realize, at least I didn't realize until later, because. We don't really get to see how they act around other students until Mm -hmm. like way later. But yeah, Sebastian is perfectly well-liked. Like he has a pretty decent reputation and that wouldn't be the same if like everyone knew about Catherine's escapades. So
1: yeah, there's, there's no sense of like consequence for him, no matter what he does. Definitely. After the Caldwells leave, Sebastian says he didn't know it was asshole day at the Valmont house. And Catherine says that she's just taking the poor girl under her wing, and we see her open up her little, like, crucifix necklace, and it is actually a Coke vial with a teeny tiny little spoon, so not quite as clean cut as she is wanting everyone to believe. Mm Mm-hmm. She then says that their parents called while he was out, and Sebastian asks how her gold digger mom is liking Bali, and she says that his impotent alcoholic father is diddling the maid. So this is how we get the setup that they are step-siblings. Yes. Which- They make that clear from the beginning. Yep. (laughs) It's still, you know, a fucked up time, but at least there's no shared DNA involved. So- she asks what his problem is, and he's like, oh, is therapy not going well? And he says that he's just sick of sleeping with these insipid Manhattan debutantes. It's like not a challenge to him anymore. Yeah. Catherine tells him to relax because she has a mission. And she says that she went through great lengths to keep uh, Court, who he describes as the Nazi that dumped her over 4th of July weekend. She, you know, went to great lengths to keep that guy happy. And we see like a shot of her giving him a blow job as he literally passes out from drinking too much. He's asleep. Yep. Yep. But he did in fact leave her because he fell for Cecile Caldwell. Yeah. So we are setting up the Madonna horror complex immediately. Sebastian realizes that that's why Catherine had Cecile over today and she says that once she's done with Cecile, she'll be the premier tramp of the New York area and court won't want damaged goods. So Sebastian asks why she would like go through destroying Cecile instead of just going after court directly. But she says if she goes after court, it'll be, you know, traced back to her and she needs to maintain her social standing and the idea that everybody loves her. Of course. He asked why she would care. And she says that in order to execute this plan, she needs Sebastian to seduce Cecile. This is where she then starts to, like, seduce Sebastian. I think she, like, runs her leg or her, like, foot up his leg or something. Yeah, because he, like, comes over and then with her heeled
0: foot, she, like, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of pulls him in and, like, almost, like, I think she might, like, touch his crotch with her yeah. foot or something. Like, it's all very, like, sexual between yeah. them. A lot of tension.
1: Yeah. And they're about to kiss when Sebastian says that he's not going to seduce Cecile because it's too easy. Then he grabs a 17 magazine off of the table, and on the cover of which is Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was in yeah I know he did last summer with Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Geller, so I thought that was a fun little mm-hmm. little callback. Yeah. So he says that this is the real challenge. Turn to page
0: 64. So, Catherine finds the article. It's called, Why I Plan to Wait. And Annette Hargrove is the author. She's from Kansas City, Kansas. Annette Hargrove is Reese Witherspoon. So Yes. And as Catherine reads the article, Sebastian starts, like, feeling up her chest. And the article is basically about how she wants to wait until she's married to lose her virginity because she does want to be in love when she has sex for the first time. So Sebastian skims the article and Catherine tells him too bad she's in Kansas, but he tells her au contraire. (laughs) Her father has just accepted the new headmaster position at Oakwood and she's staying with his aunt on the Island while her parents sell their house. Mm. So she is around And Sebastian, like, ponders what this will do to his reputation, screwing the headmaster's daughter before the school year even begins. And Catherine is like, you don't stand a chance. Even this is out of your league. So Sebastian is like, oh, do you want to make a bet? And she says she'll think about it. And Sebastian leaves to write about Dr. Greenbaum in his journal.
1: Nothing like movies from the 90s and bets that wager on people's emotions. Guys in the 90s loved to be like, let's make a bet.
0: Yeah. Remember when a bet meant something? Mm. It meant you could ruin someone's whole life. But they would eventually forgive you. <laughs> yeah. When they fell in
1: love with you. If you just ask nicely enough,
0: it'll all be right. okay. It'll be fine. After he leaves, Catherine calls him back. And Sebastian, who is now smoking. And I think like also Catherine does coke like immediately after
1: yeah probably
0: um caldwell's leave but he puts down his cigarette and goes back to Catherine, and she's like she tells him to count her in on the bet and if she wins then his car is hers and if he wins she'll fuck his brains out
1: whoa yeah
0: and sebastian is like what makes you think i'd want that and she's like well i'm the one person you can't have and it kills you So, Sebastian still isn't, like, fully convinced, but then Catherine says he can put it anywhere, and he's like, okay, done. So, that's a little bit about them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, family time. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, my God. Sebastian drives down to uh, the estate where Annette is riding horses with his aunt. They then hear the sound of a gun going off and Annette is like, oh, what is that? And Miss Rosemont, the aunt, says, oh, Sebastian must be home. And we see him shooting clay pigeons. (laughs) Men love to shoot clay pigeons. They simply do. This is actually the second... Reese Witherspoon movie that I've seen where people are shooting clay pigeons. It also happens in Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, cool. Yeah. If there's anything rich people love to do, it's shooting clay pigeons apparently.
0: Right, right. And I'm like, what happens? Does the clay just go into the ground or do people
1: have to pick it up? I guess they probably leave it. It's like biodegradable, is it not? It's like a natural material. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. If anyone shot any <laughs> clay pigeons here, let us know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> Pull! <laughs> yeah so helen the aunt calls out to him and under his breath he's like oh like fucking hate this bitch and he's like and helen yeah. it's so good to see you oh my god been looking everywhere for you <laughs> so he gives her a big hug and she introduces him to annette and sebastian helps her off her horse like touching her waist immediately establishing physical contact and is like wow well, well, that makes two of us and i'm glad we'll get to spend some time together hey auntie why don't you go whip us up some uh some of your famous iced tea and i'll, I'll tend to annette over here he is absurd <laughs> like he is maniacal mm-hmm. it's giving
0: christian a bail in like american psycho yes yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. giving christian bail in life i meant to say patrick bateman bateman but sometimes yes. i get confused in my mind
1: yeah who's <laughs> <He's> really he's <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it is the charm dialed up to 11, but because he is so, like, devilish, the you the word that you used, it's, like, it right. feels so off-putting to watch.
0: Right, right. I think that's the problem. It's just, like, well, maybe not the problem for this movie, but, like, he
1: does feel so devilish.
0: Yeah. It's scary. It scares me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I texted you, I was like, there's a darkness in his eyes and it frightens me. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God. So the aunt heads off to go make some icy. I think she literally gets on a golf cart to, like, drive her away. She has to.
0: She has to. Another, another servant
1: is waiting for her. Yeah. Couldn't possibly walk. So no, no. Sebastian grabs Annette's hand and leads her up some stairs and says that he read her manifesto and he was actually appalled by it. And she's like, really? Like, most people praise me for it. He asks how she could criticize an experience that she's never had. So Annette says that she wasn't criticizing anything. She just feels like people their age shouldn't make love until they actually experience being in love. And, you know, teenagers just aren't really capable of fully experiencing and understanding that. So then he asks her, naturally, if she's a lesbian, and she says no, but she wouldn't expect him to get it. After all, she's heard all about his reputation. Whoa. And he's like, what did you just say? So she heard that he promises girls the world to get them into bed with him. And he asks how she could possibly know this. And she says that a friend wrote her and told her. Mm. And he says, well, I think that's tacky. So he immediately goes to nagging. And she asks why he's so surprised it's the truth isn't it and he says if you say so you can tell sebastian knows that he he's getting more than he bargained for with Annette i think he was anticipating this to be a very easy score but yeah she is a worthy adversary in um in the world of banter i think so yeah she's not
0: like um someone who's like yeah i've never had sex and is super naive she's just like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. until I'm get I get married, but she clearly doesn't have a stunted development. Like she's perfectly capable of like making her own decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, se- it seems to me like a pretty conscious choice. Yeah. That is less steeped in religion than I was kind of anticipating. I agree. We don't really ever hear her talk about any sort of religious aspect of it, but like purity culture is definitely something that kind of hangs over this whole movie mm-hmm. in terms of the way that, you know, women who express sexuality win and lose in this film. Um, yeah. I have I have some thoughts about like that which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later.
0: Sounds good. So then we move to the Caldwells estate or just hu- super duper huge apartment or mansion, I don't know gigantic. (laughs) And Cecile has this music lesson. She is learning how to play the cello with her teacher Ronald Mm -hmm. when Catherine walks in and she doesn't make herself known at first. She just watches Cecile and Ronald and Cecile like throws her bow on the ground and she's like, I suck. And Ronald is like, no, no, you're just focusing too much on the bow. You need to relax, like go with the flow. So he picks up the bow and sits behind her on the bench and, like, guides the bow, like, around her. Like, his arms are around her. So Cecile closes her eyes and she, like, puts down her arms. Like, she's just kind of enjoying his presence close to her. Clearly, there is something going on, like, either from both of them or one of them. But before anything can happen, Catherine knocks over a box on the shelf and she's like, ah. Sorry, I like I tell her not to touch anything. Um my my apologies for interrupting. So, Cecile introduces Catherine to Ronald and she says he's been giving her music lessons over the summer. She also says that he's going to pre-Juilliard and currently writing an opera and he's like, "Oh yeah, based on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr." And Cecile's like, "Oh, Dr. King is my favorite." And Ronald is like, Okay, our hour is up. Like, I'll be back at the same time tomorrow. So he leaves and Cecile leans her head on Catherine's shoulder.
1: Intriguing.
0: Very interesting. And, like, we never really know exactly
1: how old he is. Well, I assume if he's pre-Juilliard, that's – does that mean, like, he's doing – Is he just also in high school? I assume. I guess. Maybe. Well, like, what is – what is pre-Juilliard? Is that, like – Is that like a summer program? Like a Juilliard high school program? Yeah. Uh, Oh, maybe. 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 But later on, there's a scene later on where like Cecile is sleeping in his bed and he like maybe his, I don't know, maybe his parents don't care that (laughs) he has a girl sleeping over. I don't know. It's possible. Parents are not involved in this movie whatsoever. So it's kind of irrelevant. (laughs) But anyways, we go back to Sebastian. Sebastian is talking to his friend Blaine, who is played by Joshua Jackson with some very bleach blonde hair in this movie. Very. He's kind of pacing back and forth and tells him that somebody wrote to Annette all about his reputation. And when Blaine hears that she's from Kansas, he's like, oh, Greg McConnell, the football star at our school, he's from Kansas City. Sebastian is like, oh, my God, that totally makes sense. He hates me because I fingered his girlfriend at homecoming last year. Doy, of course. <laughs> Blaine says that he actually doesn't think that that uh, offended Greg too much because Greg actually likes to tackle tight ends on and off the field. Apparently Blaine and Greg will sometimes fool around in his dorm and then as soon as he finishes he'd start freaking out and threatening to like kill Blaine if he told anybody and he says that the only reason that he kept up with this charade is because he has a mouth like a hoover. (laughs) So... So Sebastian says it's too bad he's in Kansas, but Blaine says he's actually back for football practice. And he already called him. So Sebastian asks Blaine to arrange a get-together, and Blaine says, sure, but it'll cost you. So Sebastian tosses him some cash and tells him to keep the door unlocked, and he'll be here at the stroke of midnight. Mm. And also this whole scene, I'm pretty sure Blaine is like measuring out weed or something. Some kind of drug. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to Greg McConnell, who's just hanging out in his
0: dorm room, and he's talking to his friends about how some girl was going down on him. And they all high five, and he gets a call from Blaine, who has put on a super high voice just for this call. Mm. And Greg is like, hi, Blaine, what's up? What's going on tonight?
1: Uh, I will say that the guy who plays Greg uh, also plays Daniel Meade in Ugly Betty, it was shocking to me because I had no right. idea he was in this movie and also wild to see him so young.
0: Yeah, I've seen him in a couple of things, but like I nothing I could point my finger at.
1: He was also like the the dean in The O.C.
0: Oh, my yeah. God. That's exactly <laughs> it. Because I just saw that, um, that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next scene, we are in the park. Catherine and Cecile are having a picnic and Cecile talks about her date with court she's like yeah it was okay um he kept talking about a bulimic head case he dumped over fourth of july weekend and Catherine's like hmm interesting that's crazy (laughs) and like pulls the shit out of her hair because she's been brushing her hair this whole time Mm -hmm. cecile tells her that court invited her to the hamptons for labor day weekend And Catherine's like, oh, my God, that's great. So happy for you. But Cecile's like, I'm scared. You know, I've never been to first base with a guy before. And Catherine's like, well, have you ever practiced on one of your girlfriends? And Cecile is like, no, that's gross. And Catherine's like, it's not gross. How else do you think girls learn? And she tells her to, like, lean in, wet her lips, and they kiss very, like, casually, like, very softly a second and Catherine is like see that wasn't so bad and Cecile's like it was nothing so they do it again except Catherine is like I'm going to add tongue this time then she's like okay that's that was uh, first base and after they pull apart Cecile is literally like leaning in Mm -hmm. just you know wanting to keep going and she's like that was cool (laughs) so Catherine is like oh well, maybe you should um, try it on your friend Ronald sometime. I mean, it's obvious he's crazy about you. So Cecile admits that he writes her letters, but she has never written back. Whoa, a romantique. I agree. I agree. He was he was kind of giving like intellectual vibes. Yes. Catherine asks if she likes him and Cecile's like, yeah, but my mom would kill me. And then she asks where the letters are hidden and Cecile's like, I hit them in... The antique dollhouse in my room. And I'm like, how Emily Gilmore of you. (laughs) So Catherine tells her to bring um, her copies of the love letters because she is great at them. Cecile asks if she would do all that for her. And Catherine's like, of course. Like, we're friends now. And Cecile tells her best friends and asks her to have a sleepover.
1: Yeah, this scene is probably, like, the most well known in the movie it like had such a huge impact when it came out like they won the MTV Movie Award for like best kiss and everything it was like a huge huge deal i mean it's a really good kiss yeah oh yeah definitely and i saw an interview with sarah michelle geller where she was saying that uh like it was her first kiss with a woman and she, she initially was like oh it'll be easier because like selma and i are friends but then it got down to it and they were both like a little bit nervous but once they got the first one out of the way, it was like, all right, we're good. But yeah, cuz Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair are still incredibly close like to this day. Yeah. So meanwhile, back at the estate, Annette is hanging out in her room when she hears suddenly some very loud classical music. So she follows the sound of that music and finds herself in the indoor swimming pool. The <laughs> lights the are fuck? the lights are dimmed, you know. So it's a whole feeling. It's a whole vibe. Mm-hmm. And Sebastian is sitting there in a wheelchair for some reason, like an antique wheelchair, like some Teddy Roosevelt type shit. Mm-hmm. This belonged to like somebody from many generations ago, and is just hanging There's out certainly. in the indoor and I'm like, pool. Why is
0: the wooden wheelchair in the pool room? Yeah, that
1: seems. Put your thinking caps on, people. Yeah, that seems like the worst place to put it. But he is the one who was controlling the music. And she asks if he's aware that this loud music is playing in every room of the house, and he's like, "Oh no, it's just playing in your room. I thought you'd be pleased." And then he changes the music to "Love Fool" by the Cardigans. Love me, me love me, say that, that you love me. love me. We should have a movies that raised Us concert. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what the people want to hear. <laughs> where we just
0: like we're like. <laughs>
1: Just our beautiful covers of all the amazing music and all the movies that we cover. Stop and stare. <laughs> Feel like. <I'm... laughs> um, what were okay. we? We had a singing moment in the House Bunny episode. I just don't remember what it was. I think it was
0: Celine Dion, or no? Because I just edited it, but I don't remember <laughs> what it was. I wish I could remember after I, after we record an episode. I feel like someone flashes the light in uh, Men in Black in my eyes, and, and they're like, like,
1: "Never happen, you'll,
0: <laughs> you'll never remember this again.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're done." I feel like it only sticks in my mind because I then have to like listen to it again when I'm editing it. Right, right. But then after it's out and it's published, within a week, yeah, I'm like, what did I say? Who even knows? Who can Who can um, say? Amnesia <laughs> is actually much more common than you'd think. Yeah. I'm feeling the effects in real time over here. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about? Oh, yes. This movie. She. <laughs> haven't heard of it. <laughs> she hears the the beautiful sounds of the cardigans and Sebastian asks, you know, what she's doing in her room and. She says reading, and he asks if it's anything interesting, and she says it's actually quite intriguing. He then says, oh, I actually had a gift to give you for the new school year. And she opens it up. It's like a book bag that he's purchase for her i think it's like leather or something is it like a was it like a dunian Burke or like Armeys or something like i couldn't see is it a birkin bag like i don't know but right 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 it is presumably like a very expensive bag
0: i want to find out if someone knows
1: please tell us what bag does sebastian given at? yeah so she looks at this beautiful leather bag and is like you didn't have to do this and he immediately snatches it out of her hands and is like <laughs> Oh, like I get it. you think it's lame and you hate it. And she's like, No, 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 I love it. And I'm like, the manipulation. <laughs> the ego is fragile. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's just that you didn't have to do it. And then he knows he's got her on the hook. So he's like, Oh, would you like to join me for a swim? I know it's ten o'clock and, you know, past your bedtime, but we are reasonably young. And she says that his proposal is Only mildly insulting, so she'll consider it and ask for a minute. So she heads out, and Sebastian gets a phone call from Catherine asking if he has sealed the deal with Annette yet. He says, blow me. I'm working on it. So she says to call him later.
0: Yeah, she's like, call me later? Absolutely. Boom. (laughs) And I'm like, you are possessed. So – Meanwhile, in her room, Annette gets ready for the swim, and she's about to actually leave when she goes back to her bureau to spray some perfume on herself. Girly. And I'm like, you met today, right? Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. The progression choices in this movie.
1: It did make me think – I actually saw a TikTok about this a few months ago that if you're, like, going – like, the different places to, like, spray perfume – on you like oh like the top of your head or like you know your neck depending on like where somebody might be like touching you and they say if you're like planning to hook up with somebody you should spray your perfume on your hip bones so that when they go down on you they get another whiff of your perfume clever clever have you ever tried that i did i don't think you noticed
0: yeah i know (laughs) i'm like once you're once you've gone down that road how much are you really aware of? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he was just happy to be there. So it doesn't matter if it's for you or not. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. I used to date a girl who was always like, this is a- She'd always be like, just happy to be here. Um, Got to bleep that name out. Of course. Always. Um, okay.
1: <laughs> always for an- anonymity.
0: So Annette goes to the pool room and Sebastian is completely naked. And she's just, like, staring at his ass. Like, he's turned to the wall. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around as he's, like, wiping the water off his face and stuff. And he's like, um, can you turn around so that I can put my bathing suit on? And then it's like, oh, shit, sorry. Like, and shields her eyes. And I'm like, no, no. He does not need to be there taking off his bathing suit. Like, yeah, absolutely. This was done on <laughs> like, purpose. not walk into anything. Like, he's being outrageous. Yeah. So... After Sebastian jumps in, and that is like, I'm surprised someone as charming as you can be so manipulative. And I'm
1: like, really? Because I feel like those two qualities go yeah, hand in hand. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't really be manipulative without <laughs> being charming. Being charming. You got to have something to reel them in. You got to have a little riz on you. Yeah. Give them the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> give them <laughs> the, the old razzle dazzle. That will be our uh, opener for our, our tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. So Sebastian tells her not to start with the letter nonsense. And she tells him her favorite part of the letter was even more treacherous and dangerous than he is charming and fascinating. He has never taken a single step or spoken a single word without some dishonorable criminal intention. Every young girl he has successfully pursued has regretted it pretty strong.
1: Yeah. So he asks again who wrote the letter because he would like to confront this person. I'm like, that's not going to make her tell you. As if she'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. You just want to confront them? Sure. It was this person. <laughs> no. So she, of course, says no. And Sebastian, like a freaking shark, starts like swimming around her, circling his prey And uh, says that she was right about what she said today, and you know, he has done some things that he's not proud of, but she seems happy in her choices, and he actually envies her for that. He, you know, softens and says, "You're small." (gasps) I can't with the cadence of your voice right now. I'm like, Christina, (laughs) everything he'd want in a girlfriend. The power of Christ compels you. It's sickening. I'm sick to my stomach. So, but Annette finally mentions that she actually has a boyfriend. He's like, oh, interesting that you haven't mentioned him until now. And she says that her (laughs) boyfriend Trevor is backpacking through Europe and he's really great and she misses him. So Sebastian is, you know, continuing with his little manipulation and he's like, I care about you, and touches her arm, and and Annette says that he's really not her type. And also, listing her qualities like that isn't really going to get him anywhere with her. And then she makes fun of him. She's like, oh, you're smart, you're beautiful, like, be fucking for real. (laughs) So (laughs) she says that the best he can hope for is them being friends. And even with that, he's walking a pretty fine line. Yeah. So... She gets out of the pool and walks away and he yells, good night, sweet pea. Yeah, except he's like, good night, sweet pea. <laughs> Psychotic. Yeah. Their chemistry is there, though. It is yeah. present. Mm-hmm. The thing that throws me is that one
0: moment he's like, I'm here. It's a manipulation station, Hong Kong. And the next second he's like. I can't fucking stand it. Like he like kind of has these
1: like outbursts. Yeah. Clearly doesn't really have any sort of healthy outlets for yeah. really any emotion that he feels and we we mm-hmm. see that he is so like he is so like bottled up and tightly wound and guarded he is. because it's such a huge deal to him. We'll see later when he, she makes him like genuinely laugh. Yeah. Like he genuinely feels a positive emotion and is like I'm mm-hmm. in love with this girl.
0: He's either stoic, manipulative, or angry. Yeah. And even anger is, like, mostly just him being stoic. Yeah. So we go back to the Greg situation. Mm -hmm. Sebastian goes to Blaine's house to catch him and Greg in the act. And when he barges in, he, like, pulls the comforter off of them snaps a photo. And Greg is like, this is the first time I've done anything like this. Like, I'm drunk. And Sebastian's like, blah, 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 blah. I know your story. And he's like, please don't tell anyone. Like, this would ruin my career. And Sebastian's like, your career? What would your dad think when he finds out his son is a fudge packer? And Greg is just like, please, like, please don't tell anyone. That's when Sebastian confronts him about the letter. But Greg is like, I never talked to Annette about you. And that's when Blaine, (laughs) his little cheeky fucking jerk self, is like, well, actually, he's not the best writer. So it probably wasn't him. And at this point, I'm like, were you just pretending it was him for the drama?
1: (laughs) He's a messy bitch who lives for the drama. Right. I think, well, I think he was just like, oh, I want to hook up with Greg. And like, oh, this would be like a fun little thing. Like, spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, get another person with cruel intentions. That's true. That's really true.
0: So Sebastian's like, okay, I believe you. You know, your secret's safe with me. But actually, there's something that you can do for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it is interesting with Sebastian – Because on the one hand, like, he's friends with Blaine, and Blaine is gay. Like, he's clearly not, like, homophobic, but he's like, oh, if I can exploit your insecurities for my benefit, let's do it, baby.
1: Oh, yeah. He's an equal opportunist uh, manipulator. (laughs) Like, he's like... Anyone (laughs) is fair game. He's a human rights manipulator. Yeah. Yeah. So we then go over to Greg and Annette, who are taking a walk on the beach, you know, because they're... Friends. They're actually like pretty decent friends, it seems. Like they're quite close. They've known each other their whole lives. Yeah. I was like,
0: what? Because they really go from, oh, who do we know um from Kansas? From the general area. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming they're a private school, so it's like really small. Yeah. But I'm also just like, this one random motherfucker you know from Kansas is lifelong friends (laughs) (laughs) with this other random motherfucker from Kansas.
1: It's that simple. Apparently, it's a small. Small town, Kansas City. <laughs> so, yeah, just two besties walking down the beach. Greg is doing his thing. He's telling Annette that Sebastian does have, you know, a bad reputation, but he's actually a great guy. Okay. He even says something like, oh, yeah, he's he's always stood by me, you know, with all, like, every anything that I've gone through. He's always been there for me, which is obviously lies. And Annette is like, I don't know. I've been hearing some pretty awful things about him. And Greg is like, Annette, how long have we known each other? And she says, forever. And he's like, exactly. And it's my job to look out for you like a sister. And I'm like, damn, this is fucking horrible that he is doing something like horrible to his lifelong friend in order to protect himself. I mean, understandably, like if he has an extremely homophobic father, like, You know, you got to do what you got to do, but it sucks Mm -hmm. that Annette is collateral damage in the process. Yeah. So Greg asks, you know, who wrote this letter to her? What's the deal? Like he's just looking out for her. Annette is like, okay, I'll tell you, but promise not to tell anybody.
0: Mm -hmm. The, The thing, though, that is weird to me is that, I mean, I know that he's lying when he says this but his character choices make it seem like it's another walk in the park. Nothing to see here like we never see any remorse in anyone when they're like doing these incredibly maniacal things.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty like morally corrupt world that has been yeah, set up for us and the only people that are examples of moral righteousness are our two characters who are outsiders and are new to this world. So Cecile and um, Annette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So immediately after this conversation, Greg calls Sebastian, tells him that the letter actually came from Mrs. Caldwell because they met at orientation. So Sebastian is like, oh, intriguing. Did you do everything I asked? Did she buy it? And Greg says, I did. And she did. There you go.
0: So Catherine is watching footage of Cecile and Ronald. And Cecile is telling Ronald that her friend tried to outdo her with a cartwheel and then demonstrates like a headstand where, again, she fully shows her underwear. Yeah. And I was like,
1: it's just too much. Because she acts like a
0: baby. It's just so
1: weird to me. I mean, I think it's definitely a little bit of commentary on oh absolutely you know the thing that men find attractive is often like this more childlike infantile type of Mm -hmm. woman and there's a lot of connotations there
0: yeah that's
1: true absolutely
0: but there's so much in this movie Mm -hmm. that is like it i feel like there are so many parts of this movie that can make you like sick to your stomach like it's just it's a let me tell you, if you want your senses to be overwhelmed. Yeah.
1: You want your shit rocked. Maybe yeah, are
0: fucking shit rocked. So Sebastian barges in while Catherine's watching this footage. And I don't know, is Catherine filming this happening in their place or is it at Cecile's place? Like, did she leave like a video camera there? Yeah, I don't know. Unclear. Because mm-hmm. I think I feel like it's live footage, like a live stream of them. Either that or it's it's like a nanny cam situation and she's right, like, reviewing right. the tapes. So Sebastian barges in and then Cecile gets like a page or a call from her mom and she's like, oh, I have to go home. And she asks Ronald if she'll see him tomorrow. And he's like, yes, absolutely. So Catherine is pissed. She's like, I can't get anything incriminating. They're taking it at a snail's pace. And Sebastian tells Catherine that he found out Mrs. Caldwell is the one who sent the letter to Annette. And now he's going to use all of his energy... To destroying the douchebag. So Catherine tells Sebastian that Cecile has fallen for her music teacher, but they aren't doing anything. They I don't even think they've kissed at this point. Like they're just talking. Yeah. So Sebastian asks her what the plan is. And she's like, the plan is to reveal their situation to Mrs. Caldwell. And then she'll go ballistic and end the relationship. And then who will they go to for help? Obviously Catherine So Catherine tells Sebastian That Cecile is planning to go away with court next weekend So we'll need to speed up her sexual awakening Mm -hmm. And while they're talking Catherine leans on Sebastian And then he begins like massaging her shoulders And kind of like feeling up her neck And she starts giving him a handjob And she's like Oh I get so horny when things don't go my way (laughs) And Don't I mean, all?
1: Question mark. Catherine can, uh,
0: <laughs> she can command a room like kudos, kudos to her. And he, he's just like, same here. Like, I agree. But Catherine is like, it seems like things are looking up for you, though. Mm. And she asked about Annette. And he's like, uh, well, you know, it's moving along, but we haven't slept together. And then she tells him to tell her when he does until then down boy and like walks away. And Sebastian's like, Oh, come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is where we see that kind of the major power that Catherine has at her disposal. Yeah. When it comes to men is sex. And she definitely Mm -hmm. like uses it as a tool for what she wants, as well as I think, you know, she, I think she uses sex for pleasure too. I don't think that it's, purely a one-way street, but she does use it as a tool to have control over the men in her life, but because of, like, the society that she slash we are in, that is something that she needs to keep very much under wraps, Mm -hmm. and um, if she acted the way, you know, that Sebastian did and was open about her sexuality, like, she would absolutely be crucified for it. She would be condemned for it immediately.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there are a couple of ways that women receive attention like one is Mm -hmm. being like gorgeous being sexy another is being really smart like you have to be like super super smart always know what you're talking about i feel like that's that's pretty much it i mean granted if you're like a respectable human being those wouldn't be the only two things right but i feel like frequently In situations where you're not with, like, your friends or family, like, if it's work or if it's people, like, you don't know, maybe you're at a bar, it's, like, those are the two things you have to command attention, either, like, extreme knowledge or extreme sexuality.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think often for women, if you don't have at least a baseline of, you know, sexual attractiveness as deemed, you know, if you're not falling within the beauty standard, it doesn't matter how smart you are, they're not going to listen to you. Right, right. You still have to conform somewhat to that standard. I agree. I mean, yeah, like uh, I would say
0: like even if you had a, an amazing personality, in this case we're really talking about like straight men, mm-hmm. giving you the time of day, it's like slim to none. Yeah. But even if they did, it'd probably be like, well, even if I love her personality, it's just a friend situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's just undeniable. Like, I mean, I don't go day to day where I'm like, it's so hard being a woman, especially because I have so many privileges a lot of people don't have. But at the same time, it'd be remiss to say that, oh, yeah, when you go into a workplace like in 2023, you're totally hurt as a Sexism woman. Sexism doesn't
1: like, exist at all. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's just it's baked into the fabric of like. All societal structures.
0: I like that little phrase you just pulled out. It's baked into, into the fabric. fabric. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's simply – it's unavoidable. It's what our entire society is built upon. Yeah. Um, which is why it's so important to break down structures and build new ones. Mm-hmm. So true, queen. <laughs> That's enough about that. So I'm just thinking about like <laughs> – I'm like, well, now that
0: I'm single, I'm like, I could go – do a social experiment at a bar. Yeah. But then I was like, wow, why would I? S- I'm like not in college anymore. Like, well, why would I do that? And then I thought about um, Kat Dennings in House Bunny when she's like, I'm going to use this as a social yeah. experiment. <laughs> that could be you. And I was like, oh, my God, am
1: I Kat Dennings in House Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the next person that you see at a bar that you're interested in, say, like what you see, stud, and see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> One day I'm going to look like her before the makeover, and the
0: next day I'm going to look like her after the makeover and see what the different reactions are.
1: Mm-hmm. One day, pixie cup. Next day, golf, Lizzie McGuire. See what happens. Pretty much. So, di- dialing back in, dialing back in. <laughs> Later that night, yeah. Sebastian <laughs> calls Annette and uh, pulls a classic thing that the girlies love to do in rom-coms where you would call and you're like, oh, did I leave something behind? He's like, oh, did I leave my glasses at the estate? And she says, (laughs) no. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll see you around. So Annette asks if that's really why he's calling. And he says, no. It's because he missed talking to her. And she is falling for this and is like, oh, wow. (laughs) I can't believe it myself. (laughs) Couldn't believe my eyes. She says, a moment of honesty. What are you doing tomorrow? And he says, going out with you. Mm. So they do, in fact, end up going on a date. We see them walking around, yeah. chatting it up. I guess she, I mean, she really did take what Greg said to heart, which makes sense because why wouldn't you trust your lifelong friend? You would not, you know, immediately jump to assuming that they are trying to deceive you or blackmailing your childhood friend. Right. So she does end up giving Sebastian a chance.
0: I wish we could have seen a little more of their date. I would have loved to get Mm -hmm. more scenes of them talking to each other.
1: I agree. I feel that the flip happens a little too quickly for me. I
0: would agree. Mm -hmm.
1: Like I get that, you know, it's supposed to be more melodramatic. But still, I need a little bit, just a little bit more dialogue to really get me there. Yeah, for sure. So
0: we go to the boutique where Mrs. Caldwell is meeting Catherine, and Catherine tells her she thinks there's something going on with her music teacher, Ronald, and Mrs. Caldwell is shocked, and Catherine's like, I know, you know, she's so young, and he's so, and she's like, black. Jesus Christ. And then the store clerk, like, places her coffee down, and she's like, "Ah, uh, brown sugar, uh, nothing, nothing, thank you. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're taking that route Mm -hmm. so Catherine tells her that he's been sending her love letters and um, Cecile's been hiding them in her dollhouse which is again just adding to the sexy baby Mm -hmm. persona and something like this could ruin her reputation I I wrote Manchester I think I meant Oakwood
1: right their school I don't know it would ruin her reputation at their school at their school (laughs) And she tells her
0: she'd hate to see Cecile ruin things with court. And she's like, Promise me you'll be discreet. And she's like, Of course.
1: So naturally, she doesn't do that at all. And you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she storms into the cello lesson and asks Ronald who the hell he thinks he is. Ronald is shocked, but Mrs. Caldwell presents the letters. So Cecile, dumbfounded, asks, where she found those and Mrs. Caldwell does protect Catherine and says that their, uh, their maid found it, found them while cleaning so she sends Cecile to her room and she then turns to Ronald the fucking audacity of this woman she's like I got you off the streets and this is how you repaid me <sighs> to which he
0: says I live at 59th and Park <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ what? So she's like, whatever, never come into my house again and never talk to my daughter again. And Ronald says that he never touched her daughter. And he'd like to think that someone of her stature could look across racial lines. But Mrs. Caldwell is like, oh, don't don't give me any of that crap. We gave money to Colin Powell. And Ronald's like, "Okay, (laughs) all right. Uh, thank you for your hospitality. I'm out. And as he's walking out, he just yells, the black man is gone. Yeah. He yells that all the way down the hallway. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: yeah, take your shit and go, Ronald. Like, fuck this place. Get out of this horrible, horrible place. This toxic environment.
1: Yeah. He's, go to Juilliard. He's probably the character. Mm, I was going to say he might be the character with the most integrity, but then I forgot that he low-key like cheats on cecile so well i guess they're not officially together but he does you know yeah yeah but
0: he also i think is over 18 and cecile is just starting high
1: school i assume cecile is the same age as like Catherine and court and sebastian
0: i guess i thought she was younger because she's just joining their school now
1: i don't know I assumed that they were supposed to be the same age, and she just, like, moved to – she's just, like, moving into the – moving to the school.
0: I don't know. Maybe.
1: From elsewhere. I don't know. But no some idea. of but their, she looks, like, 22. Well, she's the oldest in the cast. She's 26. Oh, really? And everyone else is, like, tw- like 20, 21, 22. Okay. Because they did have to – add, like, they had to obviously cast an actress who was older to – play cecile for like the sex scene but i mean annette
0: and sebastian also have a sex scene
1: yeah but they're also both over 18 yeah but yeah so they they had to so they asked like all the actresses this is like a little fun fact that i read is that they asked all the actresses obviously how old they were and Selma blair like stayed in character and her response to that was well how old are you in like a bratty voice and then they were like she's perfect (laughs)
0: so (laughs) i love when there are fucking stories where it's like, and then she like slapped him, and it was it wasn't in the script, and I was like, yeah, you have it. to be that role, and I'm like, so you're telling me the answer to getting cast is to be so audacious and annoying?
1: Yeah. Well, do, have you seen Leah Michelle's audition tape for Glee? It is the most treacherous piece of mm-hmm. video that exists on the web. Yep. They thought she was doing a bit. That was Leah Michelle just being herself. yeah she's like can i start over yeah she was like that was the wrong key we need to start over yeah spoke so rudely to the accompanist and they were like oh how hysterical she's just like doing a rachel berry thing yeah yeah nope (laughs) negative negative yeah but
0: anyways (laughs) anyways so after ronald gets fired um catherine and sebastian approach him and give him the letter cecile wrote Ronald is, like, shocked, and he's like, oh, my God, I had no idea she had these feelings for
1: me. Like, what should I do? Wait, that's so fucked when you think about it. He's, like, been writing all of these love letters to his student, none of which have been returned. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a fucking yikes for me, bro.
0: 100P. So Catherine suggests he tell her he loves her, and Ronald is like, oh, what? And Mrs. Caldwell will have me shot if I go anywhere near her. And she's like, well, you could write her a letter back. Like, we'll make sure she gets it. And they just look like the two most suspicious people in the world. Yeah. But he goes for it and he's like, okay, um, can I have some privacy? And they, like, tell him to go into her room. And um, also, I forgot to mention this, Catherine... Begins flirting with Ronald and is like, Oh, any girl would be lucky to have you. Mm-hmm. Da, da, and then they give him a piece of paper, and Catherine says he can use her room to write. So after he leaves, Catherine goes to call Cecile, but Sebastian like stops her and he's like, Do you realize the damage you're about to cause? And I'm like, We got a little conscience going. Hey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stoking the fires on that conscience. Wow, crazy. And she's like, oh, I'm aware, and goes to call again. But he stops her and tells her that they've done some fucked up things, but she'd be ruining an innocent girl's life. And Catherine tells him that it's okay for him in court to do these types of things. But she gets dumped for innocent Cecile. God forbid she exudes some confidence and enjoys sex. And tells him that she's the Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side. And it makes her want to off herself. So we kind of get some further depth to her character. Yeah. Where she clearly doesn't have a healthy outlet for her emotions. So she takes it as, I have to be this perfect Barbie doll girl. Mm -hmm. And what I do behind closed doors is my business like, I'm suffering putting on this persona every day so I can be taken seriously,
1: which we never touch again, which is too bad. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, Catherine does some absolutely deplorable things, but yeah, given, like, the society that she lives in, which for women means you have to be extremely repressed, she's not able to, mm-hmm. like, enjoy her sexuality the way that men are allowed to, I, like, definitely do feel bad for her. And I think another thing that should be important to note is that Catherine doesn't like do these things for no reason. Like her doing all this stuff to Cecile is in retaliation to like having her heart broken by court.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true.
1: When she acts out later because Ronald picks Cecile over her or when Mm -hmm. Sebastian picks Annette over her, like she is reacting to things. And then going to cause damage, yeah, um, because of it and destruction. But Sebastian isn't acting out of—he's not responding to anything. He's just like choosing to go out and like toy with women and treat them horribly and humiliate them for no yeah, that's reason, true. like for a sport. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that anyone's doing anything good here, but I think it is far worse what he does because. He gets, like, sick pleasure out of it, and she's more so acting because she is hurt by, like, actions that are being done to her.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's a really interesting dichotomy between the two of them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But, yeah, we don't get to really see it fully gone through because you don't touch on it that much, which is a bummer.
1: And it's because of this that, like, the ending, I'm kind of like – I don't know if I really like how it's totally framed because...
0: I would agree with you. Well, yeah. let's talk about yeah, that well, end, Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. So
0: finally, Catherine asks Sebastian if he's in or out, and Sebastian, like, waves his hand in agreeance. So Catherine dials Cecile, who is just sobbing on the phone, and she's like, Cecile, stop crying. Stop crying. <laughs> so she passes the phone to Sebastian who tells her he has a letter from Ronald, but he can't bring it to her since her mom despises him. So here's what they're going to do. Dot, dot, dot.
1: So Cecile sneaks out in the middle of the night. She leaves a, an upside down doll in her bed to look like she's still sleeping and goes over to the Valmont house. Mm -hmm. So she's hanging out in what I assume is Sebastian's bedroom and uh, she hands him a letter that she's written while she is drinking something. She is not informed until after she has drank the whole thing that it is a Long Island iced tea. So it certainly is. It certainly she was is. Uh, given alcohol without her consent. Yes. Does that count as being, like, drugged? Yeah, I, I would say so. It's you're, yeah. your, you know, intoxicating somebody without their knowledge. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, he does that. Mm -hmm. So he like tosses the letter aside and then starts taking pictures of her. She's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And he says he's just taking some photos. You know, she could be a model if she wanted to. If only she was sexy. Again, manipulation. She says she can be sexy and starts trying to like pose for him. So he tells her to come closer, and he unzips her sweatshirt. She's also wearing like a red hoodie, and I read that the costume designer mm. picked this because they wanted it to be like an allusion to Little Red Riding Hood going to see the Big Bad Wolf.
0: I don't. That doesn't really track for me. But I don't. Like, yeah, it doesn't. Queen. It doesn't read. But
1: when, <laughs> when I when I read that, I was like, oh, cool. But okay. I can't say I thought it while I was watching. I just like the idea of her wearing an
0: oversized sweatshirt Mm -hmm. with a bra underneath and no shirt. Like, it feels very innocent. Like, I feel like as, like, an adult, I would never go out with a bra under my sweatshirt, which is fine if you do, but, like, it does feel very, like, innocent, you know? Like, it's something a teenager would wear.
1: Yeah, because it's like like a zip-up hoodie, right? So I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, giving an allusion to the sexuality being... So close to the surface, but still concealed. There you go. Did you go to college, Queen? Oh, my God. Crazy, did. you take did. a little, like, <laughs> literature course? And then I did. Um, Writing the essay. I wrote it. I wrote essays. Yeah. So you wrote the essays. <laughs> so he unzips her sweatshirt and her bra is now exposed and she starts posing again. And Sebastian tells her that what would be really sexy is if she lost all her clothes. Cecile doesn't want to do that. So she decides that she's going to go home, but Sebastian then blackmails her, essentially, and says that, okay, I'll, I'll call your mom to pick you up, but, oh, your mom doesn't know you're here, does she? Maybe I should call her anyway. So she runs over to stop him, and he puts the phone down and says that he just wanted to give her a kiss, and she says, okay... Really, like, just a kiss? You promise that's it? And he says yes. So he then reaches down to take off her pants. And she asks why he would need to do that if it's just a kiss. And he tells her that he wants to kiss her down there. She doesn't want to do that. And he says, a promise is a promise. And then pulls off her pants and starts to kiss her. This is, like, obviously... Super fucked up and, like, not an okay thing to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, he ends up essentially going down on her. And then we have, like, a quick cut as she starts to, like, moan. Yeah. So,
0: in the morning, Mrs. Caldwell goes into Cecile's room. She immediately sees that it's a doll. And Cecile actually comes in, like, Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And her mom's like, Where have you been? And she's like, Shopping? <laughs> like, question mark. So her mom, like, comes over to her and, like, basically smooths her hair back. And she's like, Come on, like, you have to get ready. You're going to Miss um, Rosemond's. You're going to have lunch with Annette and, like, zips up her sweatshirt. So we go to the Rosemond estate and Cecile and Annette have lunch. Just what is it called? Al fresco outside. Mm. And Sebastian just shows up out of the blue and he's like, is anyone interested in a game of tennis and like makes a sexual gesture with his racket. And that's when Cecile's like, excuse me. And like runs off. I'm um, just totally spooked. Then Mrs. Roseman comes up to Sebastian and Annette and she's like, ah, they just called. They're short of volunteers at the retirement home, but I have theater tickets this evening maybe you guys mind filling in for me? And Sebastian is like, yeah, of course. And we see him gesture to shooting himself in the head.
1: Mm. And Annette's like, hee hee. Yeah. (laughs) LOL. So Sebastian and Annette go to the retirement home, and Annette is simply having a blast. She's speaking with an old man. Sebastian gets this, like, random woman to spend time with who – isn't totally all there Mm -hmm. she starts telling the story and sebastian is like yep you already told me about that yes ma'am and he says and and then i fucked your daughter and she says what and he said (sighs) i said would you like some water and i'm like gaslighting an old woman for what (laughs) for what sebastian yeah so the nurse comes in with Annette to check on them, and Sebastian pretends that, you know, him and this woman are just having a grand old time hanging out, mm-hmm. sharing stories. I was just going
0: to say, really quick, hearkening back to the Cecile scene, like, I do like the dichotomy between Cecile and Annette. Both of them haven't had sex, but they're totally different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just feel like Annette is. Just a genuinely nice person. She's really well adjusted and Cecile is not well adjusted at all. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be remiss to have Annette and Cecile both be like super
1: green and unsure of themselves. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't portray both of the I guess, yeah, both the virgins as like the same person. We can see yeah. like that I don't I don't think that Cecile was ever trying to like wait to have sex for any particular no, reason. No, Not really. Yeah. She just, you know, hasn't. She obviously isn't at that maturity level. Mm-hmm. So we see just like different types of people.
0: Yeah. So they get into Sebastian's car, and on the way home, he's like, I actually feel, you know, really good about myself. Like, Mrs. Sugarman is cool. And Annette <laughs> Liar. is like, You must think I am a total idiot. And he is like, okay what like you want me to say i don't like charity and she's like it's okay and he's like you win again but annette tells him it's not about winning and she tells sebastian his problem is that he takes himself too seriously and he's like drop it like i don't want to talk about it so she starts sticking her tongue out at him and like making these faces and just Mm -hmm. like Putting her lips behind her teeth and stuff. Like, it's very funny. She's just fooling around with him. Her charming, goofy Reese Witherspoon self. Precisely. Yeah. And Sebastian's like, stop. Like, you're distracting me. Like, da-da-da. But he starts laughing. And she's like, it's okay. Like, laugh. I'm not going to tell anybody. And as they're, like, enjoying themselves, Annette holds his hand. Wow. I was surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah cuz i was like did she break up with her boyfriend or definitely
1: not <laughs> we're just kind
0: of like you know
1: maybe he is gay maybe they mutually parted ways maybe i do think it's um it's interesting that we never and that doesn't really have any sort of moral blowback for what we assume is her cheating on her boyfriend because yeah in this world it seems like that – and as we'll see – spoiler alert, as we'll see later when they have sex, that's okay. That's accepted in this world because it's in pursuit of love. Right. But anything that's in pursuit of pleasure, like what Catherine is doing, is not okay.
0: Yeah. And also – well, I'm I'm doing a little bit of a spoiler by saying this, mm-hmm. but at the end of the movie when Catherine says, like, no one changes in a day, mm-hmm. part of me was like – did we have the wrong impression of Annette? You know what I mean? At first when she said it I was like, wait, is she implying that Annette was never a virgin? But I I knowing now like how yeah. the movie ends like I think
1: that she was, but I think she was. I think that Annette started folding a lot sooner than she let Sebastian know. Yeah. So like that that shift into her being susceptible to him happened faster than like the moment that it happened
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Or, or slower it happened for longer you know like probably like from the pool onwards or maybe from when greg lied to her onwards yeah i don't know it's interesting though it is it is interesting and
0: uh you know some of the the plot flow i would disagree with but <laughs> yeah it's just me
1: yeah so In like what looks like a greenhouse area or like a little indoor terrace area, Catherine goes to check on Cecile and Cecile says that something awful happened last night. Her brother took advantage of her. Catherine asks if he forced intercourse on her and Cecile goes to whisper in her ear what happened. And Catherine asked if she liked getting eaten out and... Cecile says, Oh, I, I didn't at first, but then it felt good. And my body got hot all over and felt like an explosion. And Catherine is like, yeah, that's called an orgasm. And Cecile is shocked. This is obviously like very new to her. And Catherine tells her that she's now becoming a woman and she should keep going, you know, now now that she's started, she's on her way. You know, maybe use Sebastian as your tutor so that way when it comes time for you and Ronald to get intimate, you know, you'll know what you're doing. You should just sleep with as many people as possible. And Cecile asks if that would make her a slut. And Catherine says, Cecile, everybody does it. It's just that nobody talks about it.
0: This whole plan lies on Cecile just being. Like, dumb as hell. Just, like, exploited by everybody. I guess, yeah, exploitation, because Catherine's, like, listen to me, listen to everything I say. Mm-hmm. Hey, you need to do this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she gains her trust first and then, you know, influences her to do other things that will only cause harm to her. Yeah. Because, again, what she's trying to do is, like, ruin Cecile's reputation and her view as, like – pe- how people view her as, like – a virginal like quote unquote good girl yeah in order to get back at court i found myself like often forgetting exactly like what her goal was because we also like never see court in the rest of the movie
0: yeah yeah you're right yeah i i feel that way too because i'm like is her goal to just stop cecile in court
1: from going out or is it to like ruin cecile's life yeah because at, at a certain point it's like obviously just like not about court anymore Like, he becomes irrelevant, and it just becomes, like, destruction for the sake of cruelty.
0: Yeah. Cruel intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, dude. She's a little bit, um, as Taylor Swift says, fucked in the head, I think. (laughs) Yeah. She just said that. (laughs) Yeah. We fast forward to, I guess, the evening where Cecile is in bed. She's putting a maraschino cherry in her mouth. And she asks if she's supposed to feel the sore to Sebastian, who's uh, laying next to her in bed. Nice little visual gag of a cherry being popped. Right. And he tells her the first time, and she tries to actually go again with him. Like, she's interested in having sex again. But he pushes her off, and Sebastian is like, this is what we like to call quiet time. I'm going to write in my journal, like, let's reflect on our experience. And she asks what the matter is and asks if he is in love with Annette. So everyone can tell. Yeah. You know, everyone knows what's going on. And Sebastian doesn't reply, but Cecile says that's okay. She's in love with someone else too. And she, like, breathes in his face. Like, she's just very, <laughs> you know, childish about everything. Um and then Sebastian gets up to go take a shower.
1: So the next day, Sebastian is, in fact, spying on Annette with a pair of binoculars. Of course. When Catherine comes and snatches him away. And she says that Annette is crying from reading her book. Okay? It's not about you. And Sebastian tells her to shut up. And that's how Catherine realizes that Sebastian is developing feelings. For Annette. So, this is a curveball she certainly did not see coming. Certainly. And Sebastian tells her that he can't stand her holier than thou attitude, but he's also infatuated with her because oh. she made him laugh. And that's uh, elusive enough for him to mm-hmm. be in love with her. Clearly, no easy feat. So, he's like, that's the love of my life right there. So, Catherine asks if this is why he's losing their bet. And Sebastian says that he's not. It's just taking a little more time than he had planned. Catherine then goes up and is, you know, being very seductive and starts coming on to him and asks if she can take her new car for a drive. Mm -hmm. But Sebastian says that the only thing she'll be riding is him. Mic drop. I remember seeing this screen cap on Tumblr so many times when I was in (laughs) high (laughs)
0: school. It's pretty, like... That's the thing at this movie, I wish I had seen it when I was younger, just yeah. because it would have had a totally different effect. Right. Because now that I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, like, well, the characters are of age. They're in their 20s. But, like, yeah. me watching it, I'm like, yeah, you're old teenager. It's, like, gross. Mm-hmm. So, the things that I would have, as a teen, been like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. Right. Like, this line is the best thing ever written. Mm-hmm. I'm like... You guys don't even know what sex is. Yeah. I'm like, nobody's having an orgasm here. Right, right, right. So Sebastian does walk over to Annette. Um, He goes over to her little area where she has like a blanket down. She's reading her book. I think he says like bonjour and Mm -hmm. he kisses her on both cheeks. And then they actually start making out. Oh, my God. Like it happened so fast. it It happened so fast. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. A little build up would have been nice. Mm -hmm. But Annette pushes him off and Sebastian apologizes and she's like, I'm sorry too. But then he's like walking away and he turns back and he's like, actually, you know what? I don't apologize. Like, I can't just keep my feelings for you bottled up. And Annette is like, we're supposed to be friends. And he asks her if she can honestly say she doesn't feel anything for him. And Annette is like, I do have feelings for you. And he's like, well, you don't have a husband unless you're married to Jesus. Like, why can't we be together? And Annette tells him they can't be together because she doesn't trust herself with him.
1: Follow that instinct. Get away (laughs) fast. Mm -hmm. So that night, Annette is in her bedroom at the estate. She is sitting at her vanity when sebastian comes in to say goodbye because he's going back to the city or maybe the south of france for the rest of the summer but in any case who
0: knows he
1: can't take her games anymore she's hot one moment cold the next and annette tells him you know if that if that's how you feel good that you're leaving then so sebastian is about to leave and it finally dawns on annette that he is in fact about to leave so she calls him back and says that she doesn't want them to end on bad terms. And he tells her that she's a hypocrite because she talks about waiting for love and here it is and she's turning her back on it. And she'll have to live the rest of her life knowing that she turned her back on love. So this really hits Annette and she stops him, tells him to wait, and then locks the door. Wow. Well. They start making out, and she actually reaches down to undo his pants before she gets on the bed and starts unbuttoning her pajama top. But, shocking, Sebastian stops, and he looks like he's about to start tearing up and says Mm -hmm. that he can't, and he leaves. Yeah, his eyes are, like, filled
0: with water, like... Mm -hmm. He's feeling emotions. Those baby blues. Yes. So in the morning, Catherine comes into Sebastian's room and asks how it went last night. And Sebastian's like, well, we didn't have sex. Annette was lying on the bed ready to do it, but I just didn't feel right about it. So Catherine naturally calls him a chump and says that if he's heading to Annette, she left about 30 minutes ago to stay with the friend's parents. Like, he blew it. Mm. So, Sebastian gets in his car and calls Greg, and he's like, Where's Annette? And Greg is like, Hey, man, maybe you should just leave her alone. But Sebastian like pushes him to tell him where she is. And Greg is like, Okay, she's staying with her friend's parents. You know, she caught a train to Penn Station a few minutes ago. So, Sebastian drives into the city while colorblind by the Counting Crows (laughs) plays and like, the music selection in this movie, though, does kind of hit. Oh, it's stellar. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like Zetus Lapidus.
1: Apparently, it was supposed to be a different song in this moment. Was supposed to be like a Smashing Pumpkins song, but the guitarist said no. Why? Like, they didn't approve their song being used. I don't know why. They never sure. said why, but so then they ended up using this Counting Crows song. Fascinating. But we go to Penn Station Annette is exiting the two train, I believe, for some reason. And – Because she's, like, in the <laughs> for subway some part. Reason. She's in the subway part. She's not, like, in, like, the train. Oh, really? Section. Yeah. But she starts going up the escalator. And who is waiting, looking kind of like a psychopath, at the top of the escalator? <laughs> Sebastian. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. walks up to him. And tells him that she's impressed. And he says, I'm in love. Oh. And then they make out.
0: Do you know how the song Colorblind goes? I'm like trying to think if I know any lyrics. I definitely don't know any lyrics. It's like recognizable when I hear it, but I mm-hmm. can't just like pull it off the cuff.
1: We gotta save that for like our encore on our tour. That's what yeah, we'll save that Yeah, for. they're like, Encore, encore and we're like, okay. Jean oh, <laughs> oh, make me sing. Jean make me sing.
0: Um <laughs> the delusion is real <laughs> so i this is actually one of my favorite scenes just because i feel like it was so passionate mm-hmm. and raw so after this scene annette and sebastian do have sex and we really only see like their necks yeah. and their heads like from their shoulders up i mean and it's a cast with this really warm
1: golden tone mm. It's super contrasting to the scene right before, which is very, like, stark blue, cold tones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they're, you know, doing the act, and he asks Annette if she is okay and, like, kisses her. It's very, very intimate. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a lot of eye contact and just, like, holding each other close afterwards. Um, He walks her to her car to head home and kisses her. And we see from the balcony above the street, Catherine has witnessed the entire interaction.
1: Mm. So the next day, Sebastian picks up a bouquet of flowers. He starts, you know, heading upstairs, going over to his room when he hears some moaning coming from Catherine's room. So he knocks on the door and she's like, oh, um, just a second. Okay, come in. So Sebastian, curious, walks in and asks who she was with. And he ends up, like, pulling out the trundle under her bed to find Ronald.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: He quickly gets dressed and gets the fuck out of there. And Catherine tells Sebastian that he doesn't get to have all the fun. And asks if he came here to make arrangements because he obviously won the bet. But he tells her he's not in the mood. And Catherine is very offended by this and says, what do you mean? I want to fuck. And he says, well, I don't. And walks out. So we know this can only end badly. Catherine's scary.
0: Yeah. And she has no episodes of remorse. No. So later on. Sebastian is talking to Annette on the phone, and they make plans to, like, meet later. Um, And he says, I love you. So Catherine comes in, and she's like, you're completely pussy whipped. Like, what happened to you? And this is when Catherine gets mad at him and says that he doesn't love her anymore. Like, he loves Annette. And Sebastian says, it's just a bet. And Catherine comes up to him and starts, like, kissing him, but he pulls her off and tells her it's ridiculous. And Catherine tells him that he's ridiculous and asks if he realizes that he's dating Miss Seventeen magazine, like, a.k.a. the headmaster's daughter, before he knows that he'll be giving campus tours with her. And Catherine just keeps going in on him. Mm -hmm. She's like, do you realize that the headmaster doesn't know you? Like, there's no way he'd want you to date his daughter. Plus, like, Miss Seventeen is now a sham Oh, as the class president, it feels like my duty to let them know what's going on. And starts dialing, I guess, like her parents' phone number. But Sebastian hangs up the phone. And Catherine says that he is in quite a predicament. And Sebastian says that he's planning to tell her everything. And she's like, do you really think you've changed Annette's beliefs? People don't change overnight. Catherine also says that they're two of a kind – And he was going to leave school a legend, but now he'll leave it as a joke. And she urges him just not to tell Annette the truth. Um, Also for her reputation, because Mm -hmm. if she starts school dating him and she's the headmaster's daughter and this, like, person who's an avid proponent of celibacy – or not celibacy, but, like, um, abstinence, Mm -hmm. like, she's going to have her reputation ruined by him.
1: Yeah, I mean – Catherine definitely feels very betrayed, I think, because, she, like she said, like, she sees her and Sebastian as kindred spirits. They both like to go out and toy with people and yeah. cause a lot of destruction. And mm-hmm. now he is turned on her. And once again, this is, like, another man in her life who is tossing her aside in favor of, like, a virginal, quote-unquote, good girl.
0: Yeah, for sure. And – Oh, I was just going to say their parents also are, like, never around, so. Yeah, completely absent. The only thing that they have is each other to mm-hmm. keep themselves company. Like,
1: everyone else is just kind of fodder. hmm So we see Sebastian walking around New York, just kind of contemplating what he's going to do. It obviously struck a chord with him, what Catherine said, especially about his reputation being tarnished, Mm-hmm. He goes to meet up with Annette and they go into her room and he says that he, there's something he needs to tell her. This isn't working out for him anymore. And Annette thinks that he's joking because what a fucking 360 from literally the day before and asks. 180. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, so, I'm being <laughs> such a bitch. No, you are correct. <laughs> I can do literary, literary analysis. Can't do math. Can't do it at all. (laughs) But, yes, it's a 180 from the day before. And she thinks he's joking. Ask him what's wrong. And he says, it's not you, it's me. And he thought he was in love with her, but he's not. He just wanted to see what she was like in bed. So, This obviously breaks Annette's heart. It's like a horrible thing to hear from – especially from somebody that she clearly has very strong feelings for. Yeah. And she's like, you don't mean that. And he says that he's actually in love with someone else and Annette doesn't compare to her. And she starts like really crying at this point and she calls him a coward and is like, look at you. You're shaking. And like we see that Sebastian is clearly crying. He obviously – Yeah, doesn't want to be doing this yet he can't stop himself Mm -hmm. and he tells her that she was just a conquest so annette is like fully losing it and she asks if this is what he came for and like says that he's completely fucked up he walks over to try and like touch her like comfort her and she's like don't fucking touch me and this is where we see the slap slash punch Sebastian leaves with tears in his eyes, and Annette just breaks down into sobs. And it is it is a really emotionally volatile scene. Like, it does feel yeah. very real.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree because, like, their scene the scene where she has sex for the first time is very mm-hmm. intimate, but this is the most emotionally intimate scene that I feel like they have between each other. Yeah. And you can really see how scared he is and how – I mean, she calls him a coward, which is accurate. Like, mm-hmm. he is so afraid to commit to this idea of him being a different person and mm-hmm. being vulnerable. Yeah. And I really like that. And of course, like, you have a scene partner like Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. He just got to rise to the occasion.
1: Yeah. She's so, like, cracked open in this scene.
0: Yeah. So later on back at the house, Catherine comes home and Sebastian is waiting for her in her room and she calls him melodramatic and he's like, it's over between me and Annette. I can't change. I thought we could celebrate. And Catherine's like, ooh, sorry, I'm expecting Ronald. And then Sebastian produces a note from him and... It's like, oh, well, I didn't read it, but like, I guess it probably says, can we still be friends? It's not me, it's you, or it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and Sebastian tells Catherine that he suspected her bullshit and set up Ronald and Cecile and says, you always get dumped for little twits. So Sebastian is like, what should we toast to? And Catherine says, my triumph. And Sebastian is like, fine, your triumph over Annette. And Catherine is like, Oh, no. Not over Annette. Over you. You ruined your first love just because I threatened your reputation. It's the saddest thing I've ever heard. (sighs) Yeah, she was just playing with him the whole time. And she calls Sebastian a toy and just, like, sips her flute of champagne. And Catherine asks if he came here to make arrangements and tells him, unfortunately, she doesn't fuck losers.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. Sebastian realizes that he has fallen into her trap and made a horrible mistake and needs to go and right his wrong. So he calls the house that Annette is staying at, but they say she's not there. He asks them to tell her that he called. And then we see him open up his journal. And also love that Sebastian is like, a bullet journal girly. He's got like photos (laughs) in there. It's like very ornate. (laughs) It's really funny. Yeah, he's scrapbooking essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that night he goes to the building that Annette is staying at and asks to speak with her. But this woman who lives at the house says that she's not here. He starts trying to call her name, but she insists that Annette is not here. So after he leaves, we see Annette around the corner with some beautiful... Lauren Conrad-esque black tears. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Black mascara tears. Mm -hmm. So
0: Sebastian decides to write Annette a letter. And it says, Dear Annette, thank you for reading this letter. I don't know what I can possibly say to rectify the harm I've caused you. For once in my life, I'm at a loss for words. The truth of the matter is that being with you was the only time I have ever been happy. My whole life has been a joke. I prided myself on taking joy in others' misery. Well, it finally backfired. I succeeded in hurting the first person I loved. I wish more than anything I could take it back, but I guess that's not possible. Enclosed is my most prized possession, my journal. For a long time, I considered it my trophy, a sordid collection of my conquests. If you really want to know the truth, then please read it no more lies and we see as annette flips through sebastian's journal a photo of Catherine, and i think it says like i'm in love and like that
1: she's beautiful and then the next page is her like him being like she's a bitch yeah something like like, right yeah yeah and it's like oh she's a bitch coke addict Mm -hmm. like whatever whatever um yeah but am I right? The first page is like positive
0: and the next one is negative. I, I think so. Right. That's what I gleaned from it.
1: But now I'm questioning if I saw it correctly. Because <laughs> there's like a page about Cecile, there's a page about Right. Annette, there's a page about Catherine. Um, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But in any case, he has a lot of photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of info in the journal. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Catherine is laying in bed, and she calls Ronald and says that Sebastian is out of his mind. He hit her, and there's more. It involves Cecile. So we see Ronald say he's on his way. He gets out of bed, and who is in bed next to him but Cecile. So the next day, Sebastian is – he was, like, in Central Park across from – You know, where Annette is staying when he finally leaves and is walking down the street. Meanwhile, Annette, a little on the nose, but she is dressed in all white, uh, starts walking around looking for Sebastian. She actually consistently wears light colors through the whole movie whereas oh, sebastian yeah. and Catherine are always in dark colors and same with their mm-hmm. house too it's all like a lot of really dark interiors oh yeah Catherine's room is like a dungeon it's all
0: like royal blue
1: mm-hmm. lots of drapey fabric going on yeah so ronald then emerges he is looking for sebastian he is super pissed off And he ends up confronting him about hitting Catherine. And Sebastian is like, look, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can't listen to anything that Catherine says. And then Ronald is like, what about fucking Cecile, though? Whoa. And Sebastian obviously can't deny that because he did. So Ronald starts hitting him. They get into a fight. Annette finally finds them. She tries to pull Ronald off of Sebastian. Mm Mm-hmm. But then Annette ends up getting, like, thrown into the road because they're having this fight in, like, the bike lane yeah. or something.
0: Yeah. like, Ronald tries – or Annette tries to stop Ronald. Yeah. But, like, she gets, like, thrown over.
1: hmm So she's fully in the road. A car is coming. And I'm like, why wouldn't a car stop? Like, why would you not stop? I don't get that. But I also don't have a license. So I don't know. Maybe it's hard to do. No, I mean, <laughs> he hits the brakes. I'm like – Bro, your brakes
0: are fucked up. Like, yeah. Maybe he hit them and it was so close that mm. it was still a, a large impact. Because you can't stop, like, exactly. Right. Like, but it just
1: feels like the car goes on for so long. But I don't know. It's yeah. a movie. It's a movie. It's like in Life Size when the truck is, like, honking the horn instead of just stopping so that it doesn't hit the small child. Right. It's like that kind <laughs> of vibe for me. <laughs> exactly. So... Anyway, it's high stakes. She's in the middle of the road. A car is coming. Before she can get up, Sebastian sees he jumps and pushes her out of the way, and he gets hit by the car instead. Yeah. So he does He does get quite a bit of air when he gets, like, thrown up, in, up into he's the air. Like, yeah. He gets his he shit flew. rocked. Yeah. Yeah. So Annette rushes over to Sebastian to, you know, see if he's okay. They're holding hands. His face is all cut up and they both say, I love you, to each other as they're crying.
0: Yeah. So then we see what was probably the most surprising thing. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Shocking. We're at a funeral. Mm Mm-hmm. We're at Sebastian's funeral. Dead. He's dead. (laughs) That car kills him.
1: Like, don't get me wrong. The last words he said were like, I love you. Right. Like, it looked like a bad accident. Like, he would be extremely hurt. But I certainly did not think it would kill him.
0: I didn't think it would kill him either. Maybe it's like an internal bleeding. Like a brain bleed situation. I don't know. He has a lot of money too. Like, Right. They would have gotten him right to a hospital. Right. Like, he would have been seen. Yeah. He's in New
1: York for Christ's sake. You tell me Langone couldn't help this man? <laughs> Apparently not. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> they needed to either, they need to make his injuries look worse, I think. Mount Sinai? Yeah, they need to have like a fucking horrible head wound for me to like, bad. buy this. I'm like, he had right. some, some cuts and scrapes going on. He was a little beaten up. <laughs> yeah. He was a little like, I'm like, der, some der. broken ribs, some broken limbs. Yeah. Sure. Horrible. Sure. I'm sure it's a long recovery time, but... Dead. Dead. Mm. (laughs)
0: Hmm.
1: I'm no expert, but... (laughs) I'm no expert, but... The
0: bitch ain't dead. Yeah. That's all I have to say. But the new headmaster does the commencement for Sebastian's funeral, or the speech, you you know. He commences it, and while this is happening, Catherine is in the restroom doing coke out of her cross necklace, and Annette comes out of the restroom and she's like, oh, I didn't realize I wasn't the only one in here. And Annette apologizes about her brother passing away and asks if she's okay. And she's like, I'll be fine. And Crazy thing Catherine to just, say. Just <laughs> like, Right. Catherine <laughs> could not care less mm-hmm. about any of this conversation. And she pretends like she doesn't know Annette. And she's like, oh, did you know Sebastian? And she's like, you can say that. And before Annette leaves the restroom, she asks Catherine if she's sure she's going to be okay and offers, like, her friendship if she needs it. And Catherine is, again, just like, "Mm, I think I'll be fine. Like, could not care less. Then, as she's about to leave the restroom, Annette tells Catherine, it might sound corny, but when she can't figure out how to get through something, she turns to Jesus. (laughs) So after this interaction, Catherine gets up on the pulpit to give her speech at the funeral. And she tells the crowd, no matter how dark things are, there's always a silver lining. It might be hard to see, but what they should learn is to be true to themselves and resist peer pressure. And she says, as student body president, I've tried to set that example. But the one person I couldn't get through to was my brother. And she, like, starts going into this diatribe of, like, if there's one thing I could say to him or blah, blah, blah. Mm. But as she's going on with her speech, she notices people getting up. They're leaving the church. There's, like, a mass exodus. So she follows them out to the courtyard where everyone is reading these bound, like, spiral-bound books. And they're reading Cruel Intentions, a journal of Sebastian Belmont. Wow. Yeah. So Cecile hands her a copy and Catherine begins crying like all of her secrets have been revealed. Mm-hmm. And the headmaster comes out. He opens up her cross necklace, sees the cocaine. And as this is happening, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve is playing.
1: Classic. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also I don't know if we mentioned it before but like about the I mean it really hits home when you see it at this point but like the mm-hmm. uh crucifix cocaine situation is just like a really great visual symbol for like her using religion to hide her her CD doings underneath like literally keeping yeah. the drugs within a cross I thought was like a very strong um image. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. Yeah, this ending, I mean, well, it's not the full ending, but just this part of the ending, I, I don't know. I feel like Catherine shouldn't be getting all the blame. Yeah, I feel like
0: (laughs) Sebastian is like, you know, I learned the error of my ways. I died a nobleman. Yeah, like he gets to die a martyr? Or maybe not to the audience, but like, yeah. But like, Catherine just gets her fucking life ruined. I mean, she ruined other people's lives, but I, I, I can totally understand like it just feels
1: so incongruent yeah the the framing of like especially him him dying i feel like because obviously like when people die people don't want to speak ill of the dead and there's also the narrative like oh he died so young heaven gets Mm -hmm. another angel etc etc um that like sort of canonizes him as more of a saint-like figure because he repented and learned the error of his ways with Mm -hmm. big air quotes around it. Right, exactly. Whereas Catherine is now saddled with all the blame because she's the only one left who is, you know, in in their bed, in their various misdoings. And I'm not saying she didn't do some horrible shit. She absolutely did. And like, she yeah. should be punished for the horrible things that she's done, but I don't know. I would be intrigued to see this movie remade now with the kind of yeah. the social and sexual politics that we have now and see how the ending
0: mm-hmm.
1: might be different because I don't think you necessarily have to like change what actually happens at the end, but it's just the way that it's framed. And I feel that the way that it's framed is that like Catherine was the, the only villain from beginning to end. Right. Right. And I don't agree with that narrative. Yeah. I think that's framed pretty poorly. Yeah. And I, and I don't feel that the movie was doing it in a way of like, Oh, this is what would happen in society. Like how fucked. I think the movie is Mm -hmm. framing as like, this is.
0: She got her just
1: deserved. Yeah. She got what she deserved. Yeah. There's just so many other factors at play and so many double double standards at play between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take us home with our last little scene? Sure, sure. So
0: Annette drives away in Sebastian's car and puts on his sunglasses. I just love this shot of her on the highway looking like I'll be at peace, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Just driving the car and her hair is in the wind. And his little um his leather journal is on the seat next to her. Yeah. The car that was like a part of the bet. Mm-hmm. Just driving it off.
1: Yeah. Cause the it car just, that felt
0: satisfying to me. Da-
1: oh yeah, because this car was such a such a stat a status symbol and like what Catherine was fighting for. Yeah. Quote unquote all along was like this car. But Yeah. That's cruel intention. So what do you, I mean, we talked a lot throughout about our thoughts, but what are your, your kind of final thoughts of it all? Yeah. I mean, I
0: needed the plot to build better because there were so many stepping stones there. There were a lot of great components, Mm -hmm. but I needed it to progress in a more meaningful way. Like the way that Annette and Sebastian get together, I'm like, it feels like there was actually never a big challenge. Yeah. You know, once he got Greg to lie to her, it was like the doors open. Right. And definitely would have liked to see more from um, Catherine and understand her perspective more, get a little more understanding from her having to put on this persona to everyone.
1: Right. And obviously the ending. Yeah. I do feel that the movie is – like, Sebastian is the main character, I would say, of this movie. Absolutely. it is It is from his yeah. perspective. And I would love to see it from Catherine's perspective because she's mm-hmm. such a fascinating character. There's so many layers to her. And she's, of course, like, a very devious, like, morally corrupt person. Yeah. Um, But I would love to just, like, really dig in with, like, what motivates her and mm-hmm. – You know, love to see this story framed in a different way. Yeah. And Sarah Michelle Gellar plays it fantastically. Oh, she's incredible.
0: Yeah. Because even though she doesn't get all those opportunities to let her motives be known, Mm -hmm. when she does, she really delivers on how she, you know, is saying that to us in the movie. Um, And she always, I just feel like she is magnetic every time she's in a scene.
1: Oh, definitely. She's always a scene stealer.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: Yeah. I think it's. I think it was an interesting and like pretty cool choice to set this like very very old story in a high school setting. Um, especially because like I think when you're a teenager, because you don't have like the the maturity of an adult and kind of like I don't know more awareness or as much emotional yeah. intelligence. That's why teenagers, middle schoolers are often quite cruel and that's why so much of bullying that happens happens like in your adolescence so I think it's interesting to put this story about people who are motivated by destruction who are motivated by like nihilism in a high school setting and see how that is how that takes form in the teenage Mm -hmm. mind I thought was really interesting and especially set in a city like New York where Kids who grow up there notoriously like grow up very, very fast and right that's are true. like jaded pretty fast, especially when they grow up in an environment surrounded by so much money and no parental supervision. And like one of the first things that said in the beginning of this movie is you can't blame the kids for bad parenting. And yeah, right here, we're seeing so an example true. of oh no gosh. parenting whatsoever. So these kids are just yeah. running rampant with access to all the money and resources and drugs and alcohol and everything that they could ever desire and how that manifests in so much destruction because mm-hmm. they have no structure. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think there are multiple Cruel Intention
0: movies. Um, this is the only one that I'm like really familiar with.
1: They made a prequel and a sequel. So the prequel, I think – recently? No, no, like years ago. Like Amy Adams plays Catherine in the prequel. Oh, I can't remember who plays Sebastian. I haven't seen it. I was just reading about it earlier. And, like, I think the story of that is their cousin, like, comes to the school. And I guess they, like, torture the cousin or something. And then there's also a sequel after that, Cruel Intentions 3. But I don't really know much about either of them. Mm-hmm. What would you rate Cruel Intentions? Um, It's interesting because – while I wouldn't say like, oh my god, this is like my favorite movie, I did find it very interesting and I feel like I haven't watched a teen movie really like this before. Like the closest thing I can kind of think of is like 13, which also had a lot of like more raw, like more of the kind of, mm-hmm. s- not seedy, but the the darker parts of like teenage them. Yeah. But obviously that has a very different story and a different tone, but. I feel like this movie laid a lot of groundwork for other things that we see now, like Euphoria.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Or
1: Gossip Girl, like where we see these teens just kind of out of control. Um, So I thought it was really fascinating to see kind of a a trailblazer for that genre. So I'm going to give it like a seven... Because I think there's a lot that's interesting there, but there's also a lot that I would change and that I would like to see in a modern context. I'm going to be a little harsh
0: and give it a six. Mm -hmm. Because while I really liked the concept of the movie, I just feel like the... I don't know if it was the writing or the direction. I felt like it could have just been... So much more
1: charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could have been a little sharper. hmm If you're in Canada and you would like to watch Cruel Intentions, you can actually rent it on the Cineplex store online for 3 dollars If you're in
0: the U.S., you can rent Cruel Intentions on Amazon.
1: There you go. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you're looking for a little more content, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at
0: Movies That Raised Us pod. Or if you want to send us a good old-fashioned email, you can send it to Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com.
1: And also, if you are interested in listening to our Confessions of a Shopaholic episode, you can find that on Patreon, link in the show notes, and in our bio on all social media. Yeah.
0: And until next week… I am Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is
1: by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.